Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we are talking about eternity. And uh, eternity is a very small word for a very big idea, right? Uh, eternity is something that, that goes on forever. And uh, eternity happens right after we die, right? And one way or another, you will live for eternity. The question is not if, it's just more a, a question of where, right? <laughs> so eternity will go on. But the big question for you is, well, where will that be, okay? Um, and so, and we're, we're talking about that because... You know, often when we when we think about eternity, it's a very big, it's a very out there concept, and yet we know in Scripture, in Ecclesiastes three verse eleven, this Scripture that we're going to be referring to for the month, is that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. Right? He's put it in our hearts. This this yearning and this longing for something more, for something better, for something bigger and grander. C.S. Lewis said that. If I find that there's nothing in this world that can satisfy me, then the conclusion that I come to is that maybe I'm not from this world, right? And uh, so we know this, and Scripture tells us that we are aliens in this world, right? We are sojourners. We, we're simply passing through. This is not my home. My home is with my Father in heaven, right? And one day I'll go and live with him. But right now I'm here. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful, keyword, in its time. Okay? He also set eternity in the, in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Right? Can, have, you ever, have you ever tried to think about the fact that nobody was there to make God? Have you ever thought about that? God, no... You know, people ask, well, what came before God? No, nothing came before God. God God was there, and, you, and my brain gets sore thinking about it. I cannot, this is what I'm saying, we cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end, and yet that's longing for something better, something more, something grander, something beyond is within all of our hearts, right? And how that manifests something different. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch a little bit about what I spoke in the evening service last week, but I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach uh, this morning. And I actually want to read Ecclesiastes 3 from the beginning. Amu touched on Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. But um, one of, this is one of, my, um, one of my favorite passages because timing is a big theme within, within Scripture. Uh, if I can find the scripture, it's coming. One, oh, there, no, uh, I lost it. I'm going to find it just now. Okay, so timing's a big theme within scripture, and the 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 thing the thing that that happens very very often is that things happen to us, and you know, people leave, people come. Jobs come, jobs go, life happens, right? And, and COVID's been a really good example of that. I, I think two years ago, nobody predicted that we'd all have to wear our masks all the time and we can't talk to people without a mask and we're not allowed to blow on birthday cakes anymore and things like that, like we did in the good old days. 
and then ate it, you know, crazy. And, um, and instead... And instead, we're living in these times. Life happens, right? And very often, what sets people apart is how they respond to it. You know, even in church circles, you know, people get saved, and then there's a lot of cynical people. Yeah, but did they really get saved? I don't know. And then people backslide, and people go, yeah, I told you so. Have you ever noticed that? And, um, and the Bible talks a lot about timing, more so than in Ecclesiastes. I'm just going to get this out quickly. My notes aren't working out. And, um, and Ecclesiastes 11 is all about timing. So I just want to read it from the beginning. You can open up Ecclesiastes 3. Great. Okay. So, a time for, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. Sounds like COVID. Okay. A time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to hear, to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into, the heart, into man's heart it's so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. See, when we're looking at eternity, eternity is a conversation about time, and we have to ask ourselves, so in this period, on this side of eternity, what is it that God wants us to do with this time? What is this the time for? Okay? And we've got to be attuned to what God is doing here and now, okay? Because... If we miss out on what we're supposed to be doing on this time, on this time, this side of eternity, we miss out on what happens on the next side of eternity, right? And that's just that's just a life principle. Often, we are so busy with things that don't concern God, even here and now from different seasons, that when something does come along, we completely miss it. To me, I think I think COVID. And the time of lockdown was an amazing litmus test for churches in general, okay? Because it really showed what were we doing before COVID, okay? And then when COVID hit, how did we as a church respond? Did we succumb to panic and fear? Or did we see it as a time to step up? You know, if ever there was a time to step up for a church, it's when crisis hits. That's when your church should come alive, okay? Just And also, just, just financially speaking, we as a church, when before COVID, sure, taken the storehouse, and we always, churches love to talk about storehouses. We're the storehouse. Bring your tithe into the storehouse. Do you know what a storehouse is for? So when the pawpaw hits the fan, the storehouse has to open, and it has to go... Now what you've stored out has to serve the people, right? 
What happened? What happened? Can is your ser- is your church able to serve the people? Are you able to serve in a time of crisis? Okay, so I want to look at two two characters in Genesis. We're going to go to Genesis uh, twenty five, and we're going to talk a little bit about Jacob and Esau. And um, this Jacob and Esau is kind of like the the British and South Africans. The, the Brits might have invented the the game of rugby, but the South Africans perfected it. You know what I mean, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a good Sunday. <laughs> so, this is the story of, of Jacob and Esau. And, and this is very interesting because if you know anything about Jewish culture, a lot is put on the firstborn. A lot of emphasis a lot of symbolism is put on the on the firstborn, and throughout Scripture, there's this theme of brothers, an older brother and a younger brother, specifically. Of course, one of the most famous being Cain and Abel, right in the beginning of Genesis, and we know how that transpires. And then, of course, we have the story of the prodigal son, which is the story of two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. And um, then we, of course, Scripture refers to to Jesus as being the firstborn. And Jesus comes and gives an example of how a firstborn should act and should and should perform, right? And Jacob, so Jacob and Esau is, is one of many brother stories in a long line of these, these kind of stories. We have an older brother, Esau, and a younger brother, Jacob. They're actually twins, but Esau was the firstborn. And, uh, and Jacob came out holding onto Esau's hill, right? And um, and the thing about the Jewish tradition is that because so much emphasis is put on the firstborn, Esau was the one that was supposed to inherit, he was supposed to be the one that, that gets the blessing. But today we do not know God as being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. We know him to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And how did that happen? What happened that we now call, that we now refer and describe God as being a God of Jacob rather than the God of Esau? And we're going to read a little bit about that. And we're going to talk about timing. Okay? Okay. So uh, let's go to verse, got it here in my notes, verse 29. So we're going to be in Genesis 25, verse 29. And then uh, we're going to take up the story there. So. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. The red stew, people assume that it was a a type of bean, a kind of red bean or lentil bean. Um, And and Esau was the hunter. So it wasn't just that he was the firstborn. He was like the main mana. He was the hunter. Esau was like, uh, Jacob was this quiet, weird guy antisocial person that hung out at home with his mom and Esau was like, you know, he was he was dad's boy. He went like to hunt and and the Bible says that that his father Isaac loved the game that he brought in. And um so Esau comes in and he's and he's hungry, he's famished, and he asks for the red stew, which is like a bean lentil stew. Um, verse thirty one, Jacob replied, First sell me your birthright. When, I, when you read this, you're kind of like, he couldn't be serious. He's probably just having a laugh, you know. Sell me your birthright. 
Um, and Esau goes, look, I'm about to die. Esau said, what good is a birthright to me? If ever there was a conversation about bad timing, okay, when you're hungry, don't make life-altering decisions. All the ladies in the house say amen. Hangry is a thing, okay. What good is the birthright to me? Verse 33, but Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. So now that last sentence, Esau dis despised his birth his birthright, is referring to the fact that, that Esau, after selling his birthright for this, this lentil stew, and lentils aren't that nice. It's not even like good food. I was a good cook. Okay. We'll take your word for it. <laughs> I wasn't there personally. <laughs> so, so there's this, this stew, and it's, it's not like, like he woke up the next day and rethought it and tried to go back and like, oh, what have I done? I was just hungry at the time or try to bargain with, with Jacob. It's that he just got up and he left. It's not just that he traded his birthright. It's just that his birthright meant so little to him that he didn't even care. You know, it's one thing when people do bad things, even against you. Doesn't it just infuriate you when it just doesn't look like they even care? Right? And, uh, and, and when, when referring to Jacob and Esau, God says that he loved Jacob and he hated Esau. And it's not just that Esau spat, or it's not just that he denied his birthright, it's like he spat in the face of God. Why would God want to be referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau after that kind of a thing? You don't even care for the things that I give you, right? And when we look at this, this is quite extreme, but, but we do this as well. There are these moments that happen in our lives where we weigh up what God has given us, and instead of putting that in perspective, eternity in perspective, instead of looking at eternity in our hearts, we choose to go for that which is easy, which is, which is accessible, Instead of looking at God's timing, well, it's not God's time for this. It's not God's time <laughs> to eat, Esau. And if, you'd, if you got that into your head, maybe you'd still have a birthright, right? So the thing about Jacob is, is not just that he, it's not just that he was this quiet introvert. His name actually meant he cheated. He's holding onto the heel and he cheated. So Jacob was this deceiver. Okay? He didn't even deserve it. But because he valued it, okay, he got it. And we're gonna read a little bit more about this. Let's go to let's go to Genesis Genesis twenty seven. Okay. So now Genesis twenty seven is a very interesting passage of scripture. I'm not going to read the whole thing just for the sake of time. I'm going to skim through it, but I'd really encourage you in the week in your, in your quiet time just to read through Genesis 27. It's a very interesting passage of scripture because what happens is Isaac is basically on his deathbed. Okay, he's, he's blind and he's old and he can't really hear all that well. 
And it's, it's now time for the father to bless his firstborn and basically give him the inheritance. And, and what we're going to read here, what I want to focus on is this blessing that, that Isaac gives out. Because we, we, we pray and we think, okay, hey, you know, let, let me pray for Andrew and let me give him a blessing, right? And then, okay, cool, Andrew's got his blessing. And then the next person I pray for and I pray the same thing, God bless him. Now what happens is really interesting is, is Isaac prays for, for Jacob. Okay, we're going to read that just now. Okay, and, and blesses him. Esau comes in and asks for a blessing. And Jacob basically says, no, but I, I prayed for your brother. I can't bless you now. And, and it's a little bit weird for us because we're like, well, Jacob, why don't you just pray for him? Okay, let me not get ahead of myself. Let's read this. We're going to see what happens here. This is really interesting. Okay. Um, I'm going to read from verse 1, and then I'm just going to skip a bit just for the sake of time. I'm going to get to the good parts. I'm going to start at verse 1. When, es- when, when Isaac was, I nearly said Isaac, when Isaac was older and his eyes were so weak that he could, not, could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now old. I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die, okay? And now Rebecca, this is, this is, um, this is their mom. He, she gets wind of this and she goes to Jacob and says, your brother's now out in the field, okay? Go take some goat hair, put it on your arms because Esau was quite hairy, okay? Apparently so hairy that a, a goat, goat hair would, would, uh, would suffice to, to deceive the father, okay? So probably quite hairy. Um, and go make some food and then go take it to your Jacob. Pretend, pretend, deceive Jacob, de- deceive Isaac and get Esau's blessing. Okay, so it's, it's under deception. It's not, even, it's not even that it's done the right way, okay? Um, I'm going to pick up from verse 11. Jacob said to his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food. I, I love the fact that, that the Bible specifies it was tasty food. Okay? It wasn't like the lentils, just saying. Just putting it out there. Tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skin, then, I mean, this guy must have been really hairy. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread he had made. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son. He said, Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success. So now he's lying to his father. Okay. Um, 
Verse 21, Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father, Isaac. Now, the fact that Jacob, that Isaac's got to ask also, also lets you know that he's used to being deceived by now. Okay, so you can just imagine the history of Jacob up until that point. Um, Come near, I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked, I am. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, The smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew, of earth's richness, and an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you, people bow down to you, be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be cursed, be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. Okay, now listen to this. Verse 32, his father Isaac asked him, who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Verse 33, Isaac trembled violently. <clears throat> See, the blessing that, that, that Isaac had meant so much to him. It is, is of so much value that it's not just something that I can pray willy-nilly over anybody that walks in the door. Right? How often are we so careless with the things that we pray? Do we put the value and the worth and the emphasis that the things that we pray last and build eternity? Right? See, Isaac prayed something, a blessing over his son Jacob, even deceitfully, even though Jacob deceived him. And yet that prayer was something so powerful in the eyes of Isaac, that it wasn't just something I could take back. When you say things, do you think that they're just things that you can take back? Do you, do you, do you see them as things that can build eternity, that can last the legacy? This wasn't a small thing. I mean, remember that we know Jacob as being, we know God as being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was such a big thing that God himself chose to describe himself to the generations afterwards by the name of Jacob rather than the name of Esau. How careless are we with the things that we pray and the things that we say? Are we aware of the times that we're in? Do we know that our actions and our words have impact that go beyond just our lifetime and into eternity? Right? Verse 35, but he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Verse 36, Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he said, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Verse 37, Isaac answered Esau, I've made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants and I've sustained him with grain and new wine. 
So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, you have only one blessing, my father. Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. Listen to, listen to this. Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. I can't just I can't just pray the same blessing over you. These these words mean something to me. And and this whole scenario is, you know, you you read it and it's like, but this is unfair. But can you see and can you appreciate how Isaac valued that which God had given him? I can't just throw this around. And even though he had been deceived, it's not something that I can take back. It's not something. The, the stones that I've built will last for eternity. Do I believe that that which God has given me will last eternity? Do I just speak casually, without thought? Remember, it's the fear of God that is the beginning of wisdom, right? Do, do, I, do I possess that, that same fear? I'm not, I'm not talking about like a, a God's after me kind of a fear. I'm talking about a, that I don't want to mess with God because he's good, okay, but he is also a raging fire, an all-consuming fire. I don't want to be caught out on the wrong side of that, all right? It's really, really beautiful in a way. Um, and Isaac also reiterates the fact that, yes, Jacob deceived me, but he will be blessed because my blessing means something. My words means something. They carry weight. Okay. Um, how much time have we got? We've got five minutes. Great. I want to end off in, in Hebrews 12, uh, verses 12 to 17. And, um, and here we really, we really get a Chapter 12, Hebrews 12, also another chapter. If you've got time this week in your quiet times, really go through Hebrews 12. Because when we're talking about eternity, it really gives awesome perspective in terms of what it is and why is it that we're actually doing what we're doing. Okay, but I'm going to focus just for the sake of time on uh, Hebrews 12 to 17. Philippians, Colossians. Hebrew, okay, great. Let's still do this song in my head to remember the books of the Bible. Okay. Um, sorry, it's verse 14, not 17. Okay. So Hebrews 12 from verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Okay, what does it mean to be holy? To be set apart, right? You've got to be look. You've got to look different than the world. If you're looking like the world, you're probably going to go in the same direction as the world, right? Okay. So it's a good litmus test if if there's little difference between you in Jesus and you outside of Jesus, then you just should be doing a little bit of thinking. Okay. Make every effort to live in peace with all people, with all men, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Okay, that, and that's pretty straightforward. There's no, there's, no, there's no room for misinterpretation. Is if 
If you look like the world, you will not see God. Okay? See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no, and that no bitter roots grow up to cause trouble. Okay? Bitterness. Bitterness will disqualify you. Family members, friends, government, the EFF, the South African rugby team. Andrew? Okay, just checking here. <laughs> Check bitterness. Is your heart soft towards people when you think of people? Are you thinking about their salvation, their, the will of God on their lives? Or are you just thinking about how you, they, you just like them to rot and die? Okay, how do you know if you're bitter? When you think of somebody, do you, do you desire God's goodness and mercy on them? Or do you desire destruction on them? Okay, if you desire destruction on people, that's not from God. Because God's heart is that all men will be saved. Okay? And if you do not share that heart, watch yourself. Pray. Root it out. Be violent with bitterness. Okay? Um, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau. Why, why was Esau godless? Because he despised his birthright. Because... It's not just that he took what God had given him and threw it away. It's that he didn't even care. Right? He had no remorse for it. Okay? See to it that no one is sexually immoral, was godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Let's all stand together. Hebrews 12 verse 22 says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Father, that, that you've put eternity into the hearts of man. Everyone standing here has eternity brandished in their hearts, Father. And Father, this morning I just want to say forgive us for, for our carelessness. Where we've just thrown that around. We've sold it for, for bowls of, of stew. We've taken that which you've planted in our heart and we've spoken carelessly. We've used that in our heart to break people down rather than build them up. We've, we haven't put value in the fact that we're called for greater things. Father, I just pray that you would sink this topic of, of eternity into our hearts, this 
make it real to us that the next time that we speak, the next time we interact with somebody, the next time that we pray will be with eternity in our hearts, not just for ourselves, but our family members, our government, our friends, our family, even our enemies, Father, that when we pray for them, we pray with eternity in mind, that we want each and every person because you want each and every person to be saved. Father, forgive us where we've made it about ourselves, where we've made things expedient rather than necessary. Father, just pray for patience in our hearts that we'll know that, that when the time is right, you will bring about its beauty, Father, rather than us trying to fast track things. I'd just like you to take a, a moment by yourself and, and you can sit or you can stand, but I just want you to do business with God. I've, I've read a few things here, okay? If you know that there's somebody that you need to go make peace with, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a brother, maybe it's a sister, but if you know that, that there are people that you're not in peace with, if you know that, that when you think of somebody that there's bitterness, maybe you're bitter about something that how it worked out and it just felt unjust and just didn't seem fair. If you know that God's given you a grace to do certain things and you know that God's telling you to do things and you're not doing it, I want you to, to, to pray about it, okay? If you know that there's sexual immorality in your life, and by that I mean anything outside of a covenant marriage between one man and one woman, okay? You need to go sort it out. I want you to pray. I want you to do business with God. And then finally, if you know that God has given you a calling and, and you're just throwing it away for the sake of fear, for the sake of something expedient for a bowl of stew, so to speak, allow God to convict you. Watch out for these things. Okay. You, you pray with God. That list is going to be up on the screen. just want you to pray through it. I want you to do business, God, just with yourself. I'd just like everyone to keep their eyes closed and their heads bound. If there's, if there's anything here that we've spoken about that, that you'd like to pray through, maybe there's something that you'd like to confess to a facilitator. So while nobody's looking around, just where you are, uh, just put your hand up and a facilitator will come in and pray with you. Facilitators, if you could just keep a watch. Just where you're standing, if, you, if you'd like somebody to come pray with you. Just for anything that we've spoken about, just put your hand up now. Somebody will come pray with you. Again, okay, then lastly, just like you guys to pray with each other in your families once again with your friends. I'd just like you to pray along what we've spoken today, that God has placed eternity on their heart. And I just want you to pray for the purposes and, and calling that God has on that person and bless them. And then when you're done, there's tea and coffee at the back. I'd like you to join us there and we thank you for coming. Have a great week. Awesome. So pray with each other and then uh, you guys are welcome to go.